You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today we're here to discuss where to improve as a leader and it is our first live podcast, a very, very exciting episode. We're here with Thomas, Bjorn and Philip, who are experts in this field and going to share some great insight as well as learn some different things themselves. First of all, let's just give some introductions. So Thomas, could you go first? Yes, of course. Hello, everyone. My name is Thomas and I'm the CEO of a small IT prop tech company in Copenhagen. So it is where I'm based. And uh, in my free time, I like to uh, watch soccer and play soccer and I uh, also like to travel. So unfortunately, we just got kicked out of the World Cup uh, yesterday by Australia. So uh, it's we are not in a good mood here in Denmark for all the soccer fans. So let's not talk about that. <laughs> well, no, let's talk about something different then. Um, Bjorn, let's go for your introduction. Fantastic. Yes, uh, my name is Bjorn and uh, I am Swedish and work as a product marketing manager at a company called Juni. So Juni is a fintech company working uh, towards the e-commerce space. And in my free time, I'm um, mostly a gamer, but at the moment I have a son who's about 14 months. So that takes most of my time. And other than that, I also walk a lot with my dog and play with my dog. But I'll leave it over to Philip. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Philip Van. Nice to meet you all. Um, I'm actually heading up a team at Telia, uh, which works with basically technical management and making sure that devices such as uh, smartphones that enter into our market are, let's say, compliant with with the requirements. And when I'm not at work, I actually have three small children that I'm spending a lot of time with, uh, four through um, so the, the family takes most of my time when I'm not working, actually. Um, other than that, I'm actually passionate about the art of dance. I used to be a dancer when I was younger, actually. Um, but various reasons, I don't do that anymore, but I still follow, let's say, the community. Uh, so, so I do that. What kind of dance are you into, Philip? I used to be a hip-hop dancer, actually. So I used to actually be part of a dance crew as well. And we did performances and, and these kind of things, actually, at festivals and stuff like that. It was really, really a big hobby of mine, let's say. But I injured myself and, you know, you get older and you're, you can't really trust your limbs anymore. And <laughs> no, that's super interesting, super cool. Perfect. So now that we've, like found out a little bit more about yourselves and why you're relevant to talking about ways you can improve in leadership we're going to go into the questions so previously to this you've all prepared a statement or a topic that we want to explore further within this we can find out some different challenges ways you've been able to get around it as well as the strengths you found and just give your insights to everybody listening but as well as each of us to help help you guys grow within your roles so beyond, could you introduce your topic, your questions first, and then Thomas and Philip, feel free to answer any areas or give your insight as soon as possible. Would you like all my questions in one go? Because I had quite Whichever a Whichever way you want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I might start with, the, with one first. <laughs> Fantastic. No, but one big question I had for this, uh, for this forum was um, around the skills of a leader. So trying to underline a little bit what skills do you need to be a good leader? Um, 
So I'm very curious to to hear uh, your your inputs, Thomas and Philip, on on the skills you you need to be a great leader. Hmm. Do you want to start, I, I Philip? Yeah, I can start. I think that's a really hard question to to answer, and there's actually probably a lot of answers to that question. Uh, but in my perspective, I think two very important skills or skill sets, I think, or let's say characteristics is empathy and perspective, I think. Those are two things that I think a leader, a good leader needs because, I mean, you don't really know about the people all around you and the people that you're, that works for you or whatever background they come from or, you know, if they had a bad day. So, but that's what I mean, that you need to have empathy. And that means that you don't know about those things, right? You don't know if somebody's had had a bad day. You don't know if they have a close relative that just passed away or they have a sick child. And to lead with empathy, I think, is to not know those things, right? But then at the same time, you need to have the perspectives as well. We, we live and work in a very international sort of environment, right? Especially now, since the pandemic, it's become very digital. Everything is virtual and the, the remote working is, you know, taking more and more space, basically. And I think it's also good to have that perspective of different cultures. You know, people have different backgrounds and, you know, one thing works in one country doesn't work in the other country. So I think those are at least two things uh, that I believe um, are very important, actually. Yeah, um, I think when I look back to one of the good leaders that I have, I think one of the major skills is actually to lead through others and, and i think sometimes even though you know the answer but not actually giving the correct answer to your employees but letting them figure it out as himself I, I think that's actually a really good skills because uh, i remember when i was young and, and i started at pwc Waterhouse coopers in copenhagen i have a really good leader who gave me a lot of trust so he gave me a lot of different tasks some of them i did really good some of them i failed very big time as well uh, but the good thing is that she letting me fail and she letting guided me. And uh, even though she knew what's going to happen or knew uh, what kind of way we should go, but he really she didn't really want to give me the direct answer. Uh, he tried to point me in that direction where I have to find it myself. And then at the end, I, I asked her, why didn't you just tell me? Uh, then we could avoid all this. Then she said, if I told you, then you wouldn't be learning anything. And I think that's a really really probably really good skill that I try to uh, take on and, and live with for my employees as well. Um, but that depends also which company you're in and what your situation you are in. If, if you're working in a company where you have a lot of um, not that big of pressure of you, then of course you're more willing to do that. Uh, if you're working in a startup, then you might not want you know, to, to, uh, to can be that kind of a leader. Uh, but trust and uh, guiding your employees without providing answer will be one of yeah, the two biggest uh, skills of a leader for me. Amazing. Actually, a follow up. Um, yeah. No, I was just saying there's there's a, there's actually a, a quote that I was just thinking of when I listened to you now, Thomas. That trust is given and then lost, and I, I think that that's very like uh, telling, right? That you actually give the trust first and then it's lost because there's still some accountability for that trust right you're still it's not just like you're trusting the employee to do whatever and then letting them fail that that is important of course 
but they need to have the accountability as well so that they actually take ownership of, of the thing that they're doing. Mm. Um, I think that actually is quite a good quote, actually. Sorry, Bian, I was interrupting you. No, no, I, I was going to come with a follow-up question. As in, you, You've told me now what, what you think a good leader has, but what, what would be bad skills or skills that, that would be detrimental to being a good leader? And I would love also some, some maybe some experiences of yourself, like if you, there's something, you know, you've had to work, work on and, and kind of either tone down or improve in order to, to become better leaders. Yeah, I think that's uh, very close to also one of my questions uh, because I have usually these kind of feedback with my employees where I make them to tell what's what, what's been good by working with me and what's are the areas that I need to improve. And, you know, when you get feedback from one person and it's different, then you might not be able to use it. But if you hear the same thing from different person, then might, there might be something uh, into it. And the feedback where I need to improve, where I get a lot, is that um, I need to, uh, uh, what's called, I need, I need to listen a bit more uh, and I need to be more soft in my communication. Um, and I think, uh, so I try to work with that because if I talk a lot, I don't hear about my employees' opinion inputs, uh, that's not good. And if I always react very fast on emails when there's something troubling coming up or any frustration if i act real quick then my writing might not be that uh good uh, will receive on the other hand so i think mm -hmm. these are the two uh things that i work with uh, which i think also uh, many leaders might re recognize yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I've had several instances where I've been completely misunderstood in writing, for example, in Slack or in Teams. But then now I've changed it. I only send videos to when it's that sort of uh, conversation because then I'm sure, like, it's bulletproof. They understand if I'm joking or you know uh, my mood at, at, at that precise moment. Mm -hmm. I heard about a trick actually when you when you like if you want to make sure that your message has come through correctly, you ask the other person to sort of repeat what you were saying, and that way you can sort of hear it back. Was that the right message that I tried to convey? Right. Uh, it's a simple trick, but I think it works actually in many cases uh, for like the simple stuff. Uh, but just just to follow up on, on on answering your question, beyond about bad experiences or bad skills, I think. Unable to provide clarity is one aspect, actually. And this is something I've had experience of in the past, where basically there was, um, <clears throat> let's say, a round of redundancy in the, in the company and people are being laid off. But the communication about that wasn't very bad. Well, it wasn't very good um, by, by, the, by the manager that I had back then. And, you know, one of my close colleagues were laid off or were leaving the company, but we didn't find out until like just a week before this person was leaving. <laughs> and that sort of actually, that is actually one of the events that sort of triggered me to in wanting to become a manager. So I was, so that I would be in a position where I could improve these sort of aspects uh, for my employees um, to provide clarity. Right. So, so yeah, that was a, let's say a bad experience. And yeah, I mean, you got a little upset, right? Because this was a person that you're working with and all of a sudden the person was being laid off, but it wasn't communicated properly to me and the whole team, right? Especially 
the fact that the team that I was part of was very like spread out all over Europe, which means that you know the the online communication was so much more important. Uh, and I think that manager failed to deliver on that aspect actually. How did that experience, Philip, make you improve as a leader? What did it teach you? I mean, before I became a manager, and this is related to my question, is that I, I did a lot of reflecting, actually. And I think, for me, leadership is a skill that you can practice. And, and to practice it, you need to reflect about your leadership every now and then. You need to think about what is your leadership philosophy? What is it that you want to achieve as a leader? What's you know, what sort of leadership style do you want to convey to your employees? And in order to understand that, you need to reflect, right? So I spent a lot of hours, actually, and I even put down my thoughts in a point, actually, just so I think to read back to, you know, and, and so, okay, so this is what I believe, and this is what's close to my values as well as a leader. Um, so, so that experience actually did trigger me to, you know, reflecting about leadership quite a lot actually and then eventually turning into a desire to become a manager and, and then taking that step as well yeah i it, uh, oh, sorry yeah uh, it, it, i think it also comes back to a potential skill that you need to become a good leader which is humility and the humility to to understand that maybe you don't know everything from the get-go and that you need to learn the craft of, of leadership to become a good leader right I think also you're a good leader when you've tried many different things, you know. You're not a good leader if you haven't tried a lot. And and that's why leaders comes also with age, with experience and what you have done. And I agree with you, Philip, that you can practice it uh, because I always know what I wanted and I wanted to, you know, be a leader and, and all that. And I practiced it even though when I was a student where I tried to put in myself in a volunteering position where I was leading a nonprofit. So, so that's kind of say you can, that's leadership for volunteers. And, and then doing work, you start maybe by leading students and then interns and then full-time. And so, so by getting um, a lot of experience and practicing, I think you also, and also be warm, welcoming feedbacks. I think with that, um, you have a lot of good uh, things to improve on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't actually have to be a manager to be a leader, right? I mean, these, let's say, leadership skills you can exercise even when you're not a manager, actually, um, just in your daily you know, life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a role you have and, you know, I play also soccer with my team and uh, they can uh, push me around in the field, you know, uh, yell at me and say, what the hell are you doing, Thomas? You do this and do that, you know, that's also leadership. So, uh, yeah, it's just different environment and different hats and different roles. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I can tell you, that you having children, you get to practice good things as well. <laughs> yes, I was going to say that as well. It's uh, it's put to the test uh, with the children as well. But Especially I, I, the I'm curious. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm curious to know a little a bit what you think about you know how to hold team leads and and let's call it mid managers to not because leadership can can happen at, at many levels right in companies. But um, how, how to hold accountable? What's your ultimately? What's your job as a team leader? That's that's maybe a good way to to approach the question. I mean, in my view, 
the job as a team leader or as a manager is to be responsible for your people. That, that's my view. That's the job, right? You're responsible for these people. And I think that's, that's where the, let's say, misconceptions come many times, I think, and connected to my action actually as well, that when you also, as an individual, right, in a company and you, you, you do your job and you do that job very well, and maybe you got an advanced education to do that job even better, right? And then you do that job for a couple of years and get really good performance reviews, so you're very operationally, you know, very good at what you do. But then after a couple of years down the line and you're being promoted to manager, are you then transitioning, right, to not being operational and being more responsible for the people that are operational? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's what connected to my question. That, that's what I want to, like, bring up, right? Because I, I, I think there's a lack of focus on these aspects actually in a lot of companies and many people are being promoted to being managers, even though they're not being taught them to be leaders, let's say. I'm not saying all companies do that, but you know, companies are very well good at training people to do their jobs, operational jobs like accountants or whatever, right? They're very good at, you know, sending you to a course and training to do that job. But I, I see a lack of that sort of training for people transitioning to a leader, right? That you need to also switch your mental mindset, actually. Um, and I think some people do it very quickly. Some do it slowly. Some actually never do it. Yeah. Um, I think your most important job as a leader is to make your team perform, um, make them perform and make them to see their development uh, going forward. And, and then being able to promote them or see them grow, it's actually very inspiring to see. Um, so making your team perform and reaching the goals together and stay with the same team, uh, I think that's a really good um, task for a leader. That makes full sense. Uh, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> I, I also, I wanted to raise this and this was, less of a question and more of an opinion or or a tip maybe for for those uh, viewing it's also like my best managers have been the ones that that pick up on the small things um so i i had an example of a manager i, I worked for a company called pleo in denmark and my team lead um went to get us uh, christmas presents to uh, you know uh, to me and my my other colleague uh, something small, right? But that was very meaningful to show that she really cared and, 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 and so on. And it was genuine. It wasn't this like, oh, you, you know, everybody in the company gets a gift. It was really from her to us. Um, and another example is just my current manager where, you know, every time my child is sick or if something is happening to my dog or, or whatever, if I haven't been feeling right, he, he picks up on the, those things. Um, and those maybe make more difference at the end of the day than, than the 25-minute conversation we're going to have later on about work tasks and, and so on. So um, that's just something I wanted to, to raise. And if you have any opinions or ideas that, that you have done in your, in your respective teams, I, I do. No, I agree. I, I agree with you, Bjorn. And that's not something I try to do myself actually with my team right i mean i believe in leadership of consistency right i mean it's all those little things that you can do on a continuous basis like asking how you're doing and actually care about them, right then or, or the little gift that you talked about or you know actually remembering 
the the person's spouse's name or the kid's name or something you know little things like that right means a lot for people that actually remember okay how how is your son david doing right i mean it's it means a lot just to know the name actually and it's it's these little things um that you over time that you build up the relationship build up the trust then from this this person and it actually will empower the performance and, and enhance the performance of this person because then they enjoy going to work actually right so so i fully agree with you Bjorn, definitely yeah and it, it it really is in the end of the day about genuinely caring about your people yeah. and and uh, in general the people you work with um i think it brings a lot to 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 your performance and your team's performance if you can do that in a in an efficient way yeah and this goes back to the fact that you need to reflect about leadership right do you i mean a valid question to ask yourself is do you care about people i mean <laughs> if, if the answer is no i mean is it then the right thing to pursue that because you can still pursue careers you know path that is not managing people right i have an old friend that you know when we graduated high school he was deciding you know what should i study <laughs> and he was at a crossroad either civil engineering a doctor and he's like in the end he chose civil engineering because he was like i don't really care about people enough to become a doctor <laughs> and i'm like but that's good actually that's really good then you made the right choice right because <laughs> i wouldn't go to you as a doctor <laughs> um, but, so I think but i feel the awareness there uh, the awareness on engineers is quite striking to me i've talked to a lot of engineers who say i i don't want to be a manager but it, there's not always that awareness in other teams. For example, commercial teams. Uh, you, you have this yeah. typical example of salespeople, and and you know it's the most performing salespeople that will become the managers uh, very often, which is not always the best solution ultimately for for the team, right? Um, so so it, it's really interesting how some people, um, or maybe some some. Um, uh, departments know a bit more what the, you know about this, and that maybe s- becoming a specialist is a good way as well. Um, mm-hmm. But th- there is, of so course, a little bit of a hype around being a manager. The, the, definitely, yeah. there's of course uh, salaries uh, as well, and so on. But you can you can actually become a specialist and and have the same uh, exactly. salary levels if if your if your company allows you to. You you were saying commercial teams, but do you do you think that let's say a trap exists for the more technical guys and the the engineers as well? Because, I mean, if you look at it traditionally, let's say engineers and let's say the the IT people are not, let's say, typically uh, strong when it comes to the soft skills or the communication skills. Let's say, um, do you think that that's also a trap? Let's say if we compare it to the commercial teams, that they also become managers because they're very good at what they're doing but maybe it's not the right choice it might become a trap but uh, I, ultimately they will probably also manage people like them like it, it, this is a generalization as well but but um, yeah. i i still think people that if you if you have the skills that we were talking about earlier and caring about people being empathetic uh, having the humility to learn uh, lead through others, all, all these things. If you can have those, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 
um, then you then you can learn the craft, right? It doesn't matter what your background or team or or performances ultimately. Yeah, but I think I think still there's some aspect that says that normal people will not follow a leader if you don't have any, you know. Um, better skills or supreme uh, competence in an area, for example, because you cannot have a, a leader leading other developers, for example, if you don't know how to code yourself, uh, you know, and, and uh, if one guy you are following this company, uh, it's a marketing company and uh, he might not have been the good credibility in terms of uh, doing this kind of work, then it, it can be tough to follow that guy, even though he's a really nice guy and woman, you know, always bring cakes and all that. I think that also some aspect that he has to be skilled. He has to be something you're looking up to, you know, for the young people. I'm looking up to this woman, this guy. I want to be like him in one day and all that. I think that is also very important for people to follow in you as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I'm just going to jump in and say, should we move on to a Philip question just a little bit more in detail, just so that we don't run out of time and we're here till 10 o'clock tonight? Um, yeah. Philip, could you give us a bit more information? I know you've given a, a glimpse, a little sneak peek. Yeah, a teaser. It. A teaser, yeah. <laughs> and no, but the, uh, the topic that I wanted to bring up is actually, it was because I had I had to go through this experience or this journey myself, right? And it, it is related to, you know, how to implement leadership when you are being promoted to being a manager uh, in a company. And it doesn't have to mean that you've been in the same company. It could mean that you're transitioning from another company to another company as well, um, where you're just basically transitioning from being very operational and then becoming a manager. So how do you implement, let's say, leadership and make decision? And, you know, going back to what I was saying before, at least I believe um, that you need to reflect a lot about this and reflect about yourself and making that transition that, you know, do not micromanage. Because when you're operationally very good at what you did and you become, you know, you got promoted for being very good at your job, it's very easy to fall into the trap and micromanage the people that you're now managing because you were so good. You were the best at the job, right? So making that transition, right, and giving the space and giving the trust to the team that you now manage to do that job that you used to do. Um, and like I said, some people make that transition very quickly. Some make that slower. Some never do that transition. And that's why I think you see managers and not leaders, right, and, you know, micromanaging managers even. Um, so the question is, you know, what, what do you guys think about this transition and our company is actually equipped to train, you know, ma- newly become managers to make that transition or what do you guys think? Yeah. Um, I have two thoughts uh, in terms of what you are asking, Philip. And one thing is that um, um, if you are really good at what you do and you got promoted and you are not able to learn others uh, the same, you know, teaching them the same skills, then I don't think you're going to be a good leader. Uh, because that is one of the most important skills as well. That if you're good at something, you should be able to teach your teams to do the same as well. Um, and I can tell you that when I, I spent five years in, in PwC and, and working through the ranks from you know intern to a manager, and I can tell you I did more leadership when I was a consultant than I did when I was a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I was at the consultant level in operational position, I had more 
you know, I have more students that was responsible for. I did the hiring as well and, and all that. Uh, even though I didn't have the grades because some companies, you know, are using that only to promote you and to keep you in the company. Um, so don't worry too much about the grades. I'm sure that many people are doing leadership, even though we don't have the necessary, uh, you know, grades in the company. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. I also think ultimately, um, even if you could become a team lead, and this is a bit of a different thought, but even if you become a team lead, you'll most likely still have a manager above you. Or even if you become the CEO, you'll have a board to spar with. And it's it's a bit that person's responsibility to make you succeed as well, In if we look at, at it that way. Um, there's many ways you can do that transition and learn it, um, I have a firm belief that it, it's good with a little bit of experience, at least, and, and, and expertise and, and, you know, uh, professional maturity, let's call it that, um, in order to become a, big, a good leader. But, but there is, of course, a, a ton of ways you can train that. And um, I remember at Pleo, we had, um, we had this authentic leadership course, which was uh, something that was offered to new managers uh, to, to kind of learn about what being authentic as a leader is. And it was very impactful on, on those new leaders, especially the younger ones. So within commercial teams, for example, there was some 25, 26, 27-year-olds becoming team leads. Um, and those people, of course, need more support and, and coaching. Um, and again, it's a two-way street. Those people need to be very aware of their of their lack maybe of leadership skills and, and aware of the fact that they need to learn the craft before going out there and, 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 you know, uh, rocking the world. Hmm. I think it, there's not always the possibility to learn the craft before you are in the role, right? Sometimes people are just thrown into it uh, and that's fine, I think. But then, you know, as you're saying, like on, on the previous company, it's it's very good that the company makes sure that there are courses to to sort of train for this kind of thing, and I think that's yeah. good and should be continue to be doing. But again, going back to to what you were saying as well, Thomas, I mean, I think you have to have the growth mindset, right? You know, willing to learn, willing to to grow and develop, and whatever that may be, teaching or or you know, learning the craft of leadership or whatnot. I think that that's the important thing. Um, bottom line, I would, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And I think you can always uh, get that experience uh, when it comes to leadership. No matter where you are in your stage, age, uh, I don't know. You know, you can lead in a volunteer organization. You can leading by uh, leading other young students in your organizations or anything. You, you, you can have, you can be mentor for, for other um, kids and, and young professionals, you know, volunteering mentor, uh, test some skill sets and test some questionnaires and test some, some things. Uh, so you can always practice that no matter where you are. And also hmm. be mentored, right? Be mentored by a, yeah, a successful I, leader out there that you look up to. So um, you know, I, I would gladly contact my, my previous managers that stood out uh, as, uh, as uh, fantastic in order to learn from them. Yeah, and, and I actually recommend, uh, you know, having a, a mentor that is outside your, your, your company, you know, um, 
ever, ever since I was student, I always used volunteering mentors, you know, simply by reaching out to a guy or a woman that said, wow, I, I really like what he's doing and I can see he has a good position. I really want to be there where he is when I'm five, five years later or something like that. So um, catching up with mentors, uh, I think it's a really good, good way um, to, to receive feedback and inputs and learning as well. But I would say don't have the same mentor throughout your life because your life's going to change <laughs> and your position's going to change and then your new challenge is going to come. So switching your mentors every third year, I think that's a good good way. And that's that actually comes into another small thought I had before the call, which was I, I personally have needed very different managers throughout my career so far. So when I started, I was super happy to have a, like I was lo- looking a little bit maybe more for a mothering manager, someone to take care of me and guide me and, and you know, teach me what it is to actually work. Because, you know, when you study until you're 25, you're like, yeah, what, what is actually work? So uh, that's what I needed then. Now I've, I've kind of learned the craft of working. I've learned my craft, which, which is product marketing, but now I need to apply it, try it, uh, experiment, fail, and, and learn from that. Um, so I need a, a manager right now that's much less hands-on and much more trusting and, and, uh, and you know, pushing my limits, uh, giving me constructive feedback daily so that I, I improve. So uh, that's also interesting that everyone's different also in their professional career and, and, and where they're at. And again, that's what, where you need that uh, humility and empathy to understand who are you dealing with here? What kind of manager should I be to that person? Um, just a thought I had uh, right before. The call. No, but I agree with you, uh, Bjorn. I mean, it, contextual leadership. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> depending on the context, you, you apply a different sort of leadership. Uh, and as you're saying, different individuals want to be led you know, closely or actually with a, you know, some distance, actually. Some people want to be able to have that trust and, and do what they're good at and, and not and having the space for it. Right. And not having the, the manager or, or breathing over your neck <laughs> or over your shoulder. Um, so I think, yeah. But I mean, going back to what you were saying, Bjorn, about the courses, I think it's really good that companies do have courses to train leaderships or, or leaders. Um, but then you need to put that into practice, right? It's not, you don't become a leader just because you go on a three-day trip and, and, and you know, you have five guest speakers about leaders and then bam, you're a leader. That's not how it works, right? <laughs> you need to like practice, like going back to what we said before, the consistency. You need to do these small things continuously all the time to build up that trust um, from your employees that, you know, this is a leader that I'm willing to follow. And, and that's where I see also the lack of, sure, you have courses, but what is the actual practices, right? What does it mean to be a good leader? What is it that you actually do? Okay. That, that's like, you know, when you, when you were saying about your previous manager, should I buy a gift? You know, concrete actions, do I ask my people how are they doing and then really listening to the answer? Is that the concrete thing to do? These sort of things, right? Because when you go through the courses, there's a lot of theory, you know, you have the different frameworks and leadership models and, you know, trendy words, right? But then how do you put that to practice in reality with the people that you have across the table, right? And yeah, that, that's where I see the, the missing piece, sort of, if you... <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a method that might work for some, um, but I, I I don't believe in leadership courses and reading books about leadership and all that because again, people are so different and you have to lead people in different ways and the only thing only way to learn it is just by doing it. And uh, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. You're gonna make one employee very sad and angry, but then you learn from it, and you're also gonna. You have. I'm guaranteeing that you both also have uh, bad leaders. Then you at least know how not to be like uh, when you are when you are leader or leading uh, someone. Um, so, and I think that's an aspect that everybody can understand that nobody expects you to be the perfect leader for the first time. But, but then again. Don't compromise who you are as a person, but also who you want to be as a leader. Um, yeah, that's the dif- difficult part. Uh, what's the right thing to say, and what's the Thomas way of saying it? You know. So. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. If, <laughs> just thinking the other day about. Yeah, sorry, Jamal. Sorry. Now I was just thinking about job descriptions, right? Uh, you know, job descriptions of manager type of roles. Is it is it maybe that we need to change the descriptions of these job roles <laughs> to sort of enhance yeah, these uh, aspects? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then again, you know, job description is a wish list, and you never get everything on your wish list. Just remember that. So yeah, I, I never look too much into the job description because that's a wish list. You're going to never get a guy who can all do all this. And they know that. Yeah. Uh, One thing I picked up before, Thomas, which I, I would actually challenge was, um, you know, the, the experience. Like, I, I do think you need, uh, you need experience and, and uh, maybe more maturity rather than experience. You can be a, a 27, very mature person. Uh, 27 year olds but um, experience doesn't doesn't uh, like give you a, a stamp of approval to become a, a good leader right I've seen catastrophic leaders uh, 40 plus 50 plus um, or my 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 close friends or family have had catastrophic leaders uh, that 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 are also at that age that have had 20 30 years of experience in companies and think they know everything best because of that uh, so again it comes back to those skills we were talking about the humility the 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 willingness to learn and to 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 uh, empathize with the other people right yeah yeah so so the question to those people might be have you been too stubborn have you uh, have you haven't listened at all you know um yeah have you just uh, didn't get the right leadership courses, perhaps updated a version of that uh, in terms of leading the younger generation today, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this year, actually, beyond, beyond going back, you actually see this, I used to work for a Japanese company, and you see this quite a lot more in some cultures, actually. And, and I'm saying Japanese because that's there's a, a culture of becoming a manager based on the amount of years you've been in the company. And, and there are different. There are, there are a lot of explanations to that, of course, that has with the history of Japan to do. But you know, you become a manager not based on your performance, but based on how many years you've been in the company. So that's that's where you see those fifty plus years old that aren't aren't really leaders and are very micromanaging and are very operationally involved, right? Even though they have like two hundred people under them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
And now we're taking a huge aspect into conservation culture, right? So, you know, I've, I've been in China and I've been in Denmark and I think I'll be a terrible leader if I was in China, uh, you know, and the Chinese, <laughs> Chinese people are not really independent people alone. And, you know, they, they, they're really good at you telling them what to do and they would do it brilliantly. While, while the Danes here, they don't like to be micromanaged, uh, but they are really independent in their way of doing it. Uh, so exactly. you can be a really good leader in one country and perhaps fail big time in another country, but that's that's culture. Perspectives, right? That's where we get to perspectives. Sorry to jump in, um, but again, just to keep time keep watch of time and um, thomas can we just move on to your quick question um, and yes. if you have more time left over we'll come back to this topic yes i, I was very curious to ask uh, you guys actually because as i want to go back to the, the feedback that i get the most that i actually struggle with because i'm not quite sure how to handle it or if i should handle it differently um, because I've been told a lot uh, that in my written communication I seems very harsh and you could have said it another way uh, and yeah and, and that's usually when you get something uh, frustration mail or something is wrong or there's a problem with the vendor or there's always uh, something wrong with the, with, the, with the supplier or something like that um, so how, how do you cope with you get an email you are very frustrated uh, what do you do um, yeah, how do you tackle these kind of situations? So, so frustration to begin with is probably not a good fuel uh, fuel uh, to, to to run on, right? Um, so, in that case, I would maybe slow down to run faster later. Uh, but I have the same issue that you know, if I'm caught in a meeting and getting quite rough feedback, or 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 even feedback at all, like maybe maybe not rough, but just feedback. Uh, I, I I can become very defensive as well, and uh, so so sometimes it's just about maybe sw- swallowing the pill, like maybe ca- calming down a little bit, and and uh, take it from there. Um, you know, a few minutes later or, or a few days later, if needed. Um, but it, Philip, did you have anything yeah. to add? Did I, did I understand you correctly, Thomas? That it's about—it's basically about the um, giving feedback, right? Is that correct? You're, you're trying to convey the feedback, yeah. or is it something else? Uh, no, it's like you—you you know, you have a problem again with your vendor. They're not delivering. Uh, you're frustrated. Um, you really want to set things right. Um, you know, how, how do you cope with such email? Do you take a break, uh, one hour, and then reply on the email before you? Uh, writing something that you shouldn't or do you give them a call instead of writing because you know that uh, it sounds it's better to do it on talking than they cannot document anything <laughs> or how do you uh, tackle these kind of situations yeah i guess it depends for me it depends on the relationship i guess you have with the vendor as well because if you cannot convey your message in an email i would say you know set up a meeting or, or make that call if you have a, a that relationship sometimes you know we as people communicate differently when it comes to, you know, a phone call, video call, or, or through emails. That's just a fact, right? We, and, you know, especially in social media, you see this, right, where people add emojis, then you add another layer, right, of the emotional <laughs> stuff. And yeah. Obviously, you don't, you don't add emojis maybe in, in an email. Uh, maybe some, some do, but... I would, I would, I would make a call. I give a call to the to vendor and just, you know, have a conversation and be open-minded about the, the thing. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to what I was saying before, leading with empathy. 
is because we don't know why this per, this this vendor is not responding. Something might have happened. Maybe they have some other business critical issue with another client or whatever. We don't know, right? So always try to approach the situation with professionalism and having that extra empathy maybe um, just to say, okay, maybe there is something else that I'm not aware of that is causing this sort of behavior. I'll give them a call and hear them out. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I think what I I think what I learned from it, um, it it could be a vendor, but it could also be two employees, you know. And I, I tend to look through my email three times uh, now. Before it might only be one time. I'm writing straight what I'm thinking from my head, and I press send. Uh, and so uh, throughout the years, I've learned that I I, I check the the mail uh, two times, three times, and see okay. Is my uh, you know communication being can be interpreted or misunderstood in this text, or should I uh, you know cut some words to not make it more uh, like that? So that's what I tend to do now, and yeah, and I still um, again it's the it's the balance between telling the right thing but also showing who you are. Sometimes I I I have to also have to say when things not good and disappointing, it's not good. But I, I never point fingers at first. Uh, always, you know, stop the blood and then we point the fingers afterwards, you know. Uh, yeah, that's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's I, how I you know, approach the conversation. Sorry, Bjorn, go ahead. No, I, I don't want to brush you, but I saw a comment from Krista in the, in the, or a question from Krista in the, in the chat that I thought could be interesting as yeah, well to, let me, to raise. Let me show it. Um, there we go. So when you reflect on your work, how much input do you get from the people you work with and how do you collect that? Great question. Yeah, I think that there's, there's two questions in a way. Like the, the collection part, I think is is just good good feedback pra- practices within your company. Uh, however, you do it in my company, we we have uh, quarterly feedback cycles. We have one on ones, uh, so we're using different tools to 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 gather and collect feedback. Uh, but then it's also about implementing a culture of feedback, um, a healthy mm. culture of feedback where. Yeah, I learned a lot from from uh, one of my former colleagues, um, uh, Jack Finnegan, about just telling at the beginning and end of the meeting that you're you're desperately wanting feedback on everything you do, right? Um, so, so I think it, it it goes both ways. It's both about expecting feedback, but you can also ask for unsolicited feedback if if you if you need it and if you want it. Um, the art of giving feedback is is a bit different. You you need to be in in the right state of mind and in the right place and and communicate it uh, in the right way. But I'll let Philip and uh, Philip uh, you can you can take over if you want. Yeah, I'm, I have I have around fourteen people in my team, and I actually have regular check ins one on ones with them, right? And for me, it's about creating that safe environment where they feel safe enough to sort of share if there's anything that's not right that's not working with me with them with the work what i do whatever and for me i try to also set the expectations before meetings actually depending on how you formulate yourself for example i try to when i already speak to one of my employees i already try if i'm if i want to give feedback i already try to set up before the actual feedback sessions you know that 
feedback is actually coming. So for example, I just use a random name. So yeah, hey, Bjorn, um, you have a couple of minutes to talk about this situation, for example. So I try to approach the conversation already from the beginning, setting the expectation to the other person that feedback is coming, actually. Uh, you know, have you five minutes to do this meeting? Or, you know, so so they know already in a way in the brains that something is coming that we need to talk about, right? Um, it's more, they get more defensive if you just cut, catch them by surprise, just, you know, enter a meeting and, yeah, I have mm-hmm. some feedback to give. <laughs> I don't think that's the, the good way to do it um, because then then you tend to not get that much feedback, actually, um, I think. Uh, yeah, um, I would say I tend to distinguish between uh, feedback meetings and, and regular check-ins meetings because I have also weekly check-ins, but that's mostly on tasks and status and project, et cetera, et cetera. But I have two times in a year where it's really about feedback, uh, upward feedback, and then also the other way around, where I ask them to think about what's been good and what's been bad about them. And I'm writing down the things that they have said has been bad, where where I can improve. And the same, I will also give them where I think they need to improve and and as well. And then when we talk, when we meet again, six months later, we put that topic as the first thing. She said, okay, uh, John, uh, you said that uh, last six months that I was really harsh on my communication. Do you feel it has been improved? And then we start with me uh, and then we start and then we go with John afterwards. I think... I think that's a word because it shows that the employees uh, can see that I'm actually listening. I'm actually saving these notes for usage. It's not only listening with one ear and then it's uh, going out on the other ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is also a, a good reminder for me as well, at least that I know that, okay, these are actually my my, my weaknesses that I need to practice and be aware of uh, next time I, I, I contact John or something like that. Um, how do I give feedback? I actually tend to be very brutal honest uh, with the person uh, and I also ask them to be very brutal honest with me because I think that's how it works if you don't give honest feedback uh, if you tell the boss what he wants to hear then it's not good at the end um, so I tell them actually very honestly what they have not been doing good that well and, and yeah I do the same ask them the same as well for me do you Thomas, do you do that directly when, let's say, when one of your employees have done something, let's say, bad? Do you tell them directly or do you wait until, like, the, the performance review that you do twice a year or whenever it is? I think it, uh, it depends how bad it is. I mean, if it's for a project in order, if we, we cannot move on before we, we change this, then, yes, I would definitely call in for a meeting, says, hey, let's take 30 minutes to talk about this. Uh, and then we, of course, it's a much quicker feedback session where I said, uh, you know, you did this and that, uh, it's not that good. Um, And maybe we could do this uh, now to save it. So yeah, definitely. But yeah, exactly. But that's my point, right? I think uh, along with the, let's say formal check-ins, you have to have that, what you're saying, the continuous feedback as well on when, when it's needed. And for me, I try to follow the mantra of, if there is something to say, say it or let it go. <laughs> because especially when there is something like negative or whatever, and you're afraid of a conflict, or whatever. If you if you let it build up too long over time, it just becomes hard to bring it up, and you're gonna not feel that well, and you're gonna be frustrated. So it's easier to mm-hmm. just say it, or if you're not gonna say it, just let it go. Right? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, sure. I I totally agree with that uh, last point you have. And um, it's not just about feedback as a team lead to your 
to the people you're managing or leading. It's also the feedback to everyone in the company and, and everyone you work with. Um, <clears throat> but that's where it's important as well to have a strategy around, around feedback, I think, for the company in, in the end of the day. Um, you, you know, you, you need to put the right prerequisites to have this genuine feedback uh, loop uh, going into, to, you know, to the to people's people's brains and and uh, and uh, in in your company processes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we we lost uh, our host, but uh, maybe we can take over. <laughs> that's, a, that's a question from Ausfall. He says, as a leader manager, I believe not only to trust the team members but also being trusted by the team. What is your reflection on that? I don't know if you have time yet, but let's just go with it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Cool. Yeah, of course. But no, I, I, I definitely think uh, there's there's truth in this, and I think it it, it comes back a little bit to you know your uh, when we were talking about having an expertise and 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 you know knowing what you're doing, and and it's not about about confidence, but a little bit about confidence anyway. Like you, you need to to in order to lead, you need to come to the table with something a clear. Clear. <laughs> no, we got our hose back. <laughs> no, but a clear, uh, clear directives, a Sorry. clear plan. I mean, all these things take a lot of, uh, um, yeah, experience and energy to put in place. And uh, but but you need these for your for your team members to to trust and follow you ultimately. Mm-hmm. Totally agree mm-hmm. with that. I think an, an important aspect of that. Uh, uh, is actually that it takes time to build trust, and you know I'm I'm going back again to what you talked about as well, uh, Beyond. You know, but the the small things that you do on a consistent basis, right? If you think, imagine yourself going to work every day and you meet the same colleagues every day. You build that relationship over time. If you've been there a year, two, three years, you had these coffees together, lunches together, you've exchanged ideas, personal stories. It's those little things that you continue to do on a continuous basis that you build that human relationship and you build that human trust. Um, and it takes time. When I, when I started in my current role, I actually you know, invited everyone to a one-on-one first just to introduce myself, but I wasn't go- I approached that meeting as, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm the new guy here. You know, who am I to expect trust from these people? It's going to take more than a couple of months to build a trust, right? And I was open and transparent about this, that uh, this is my leadership philosophy. I'm going to try to build the trust, right? But it's going to take time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight or over a month. Um, so I think it's okay to be transparent about these things as well to the people that, you know, this is something that you're actually working on. And, you know, setting the expectation to the team that it will take some time, you know, and it's only human. What is the one biggest and most successful piece of advice that you've been given by a fellow leader or mentor in the past that's helped you and could inspire everybody before we leave? I think the best one, because the leadership is so big, it's so diverse, it's so different how to lead other people and all that. And I think the best, uh, you know, thumbnail reminder is that lead other people how you like to be lead. Um, I think that would be my best advice. Yeah. yeah, my my advice is actually this sounds a bit uh, gimmicky, but it's also a one of the values of the company I work at right now, and it's care deeply. I think you need to care deeply about the people you're leading, 
if you're going to be successful in this role. Perfect. And then last but by no means least, Philip. I think communication. Think about communication, communication, communication. Whatever it's, whether it's about work, relationship, issues, conflicts, communication. I mean, you're communicating that and you can master the communication. You are very far Perfect. Well, I think this has been such an insight listening to all of you. So thank you so much. And thank you for everyone listening and tuning in live. This will be saved as a recording and posted on our Spotify for anyone who wants to re-listen or give it another go, share it with your network. But thank you, Thomas, Bjorn and Philip. It's been amazing having you all here. And we're going to end the live stream now.